You have an outline on, in your bulletin there, and uh, we're going to start right off with the first point on that. And that is, no, you can't have my fishies. You know, that sounds a little bit silly, doesn't it? It sounds like, oh, you know, what's the big deal? Can't you give one little fish to Pastor Bill to keep him going? The bottom line is, these little fishies weren't Janie's fishies to start with. The church bought and paid for them. The snack leaders went and put them into little cups and gave them, distributed them among all the children there. And Janie had little fishies because, well... The grace of God. The provision of God. Now, I'm not all emotionally scarred because Janie turned me down and was a little chintzy with her little goldfish or anything like that. But the story resembles the story in our text that we read about today. You see, today's topic is about stewardship. Now, I want to do a disclaimer from the beginning. Stewardship is more than just money. Stewardship is a lifestyle. It's how we live for our God. Our God has blessed and given us this whole universe. He's given us a provision for our needs. And so how is it that we as his children respond to his love by loving him back? And he's given us this vehicle, this way of doing it. I would like you just to give a tithe of all the blessings that I give to you. I would like you to give a tithe back to me. And today we are going to talk specifically about money. And I know some of you are sitting there thinking, oh gosh, boy, it's almost October. We almost made it without a sermon on money. Darn, (laughs) you know, here we are. But you know, it's important. It's important. It's in God's Word. Do we really believe that everything we have is God's gift to us in the first place? Do you believe that? Do you claim that? Do you give thanks for that? Sometimes we're a little lazy in our thanksgiving. But it's the reality that God provides for us. Do you believe that everything we have still belongs to God? Well, that's a hard concept too. Wait a minute, I went to work, I worked hard for that, I got the paycheck, it's my name on that paycheck. It was God's provision to give you that job in the first place. And when God says, may I have one of your fishies, how do you feel about that? Do you protect your cup and tell God to get his own? The text today is one of the clearest, most direct texts on how God feels about our fishies, our finances. And there's not a lot of wiggle room in this text either to kind of squirm around and get out of. In today's parlance, God is in our face in this text. Andy read our text for us out of Malachi chapter 3. If you can't find Malachi, it's one of those little books We call them minor prophets, not because they're less significant than the others, but because they're smaller books. And so sometimes they get lost in there, but it's the very last book of your Old Testament if you want to look at our text with us this morning. Let's pray and invite God into this conversation. Oh God, we just invite you to open up your word by your Holy Spirit and speak to our hearts this morning. What is your word for us, and what will we do in response? We pray this in your name. Amen. Our text starts off in verse 8. Will a mere mortal, will humans, will you rob God? What are you talking about, Lord? 
I, I don't quite understand, Lord. Are you talking about me? What do you mean by that? How am I robbing you? What are you accusing me of? How are we robbing you? We're kind of shocked. Some of us, well, we're downright defensive. And others are even defiant, like, these are my fishies. Oh, God, now you've gone and done it. You stepped on my toes. You've meddled with my wallet. Point two, the tithe. What exactly is the tithe? Like I suggested in the children's sermon, it's basically one in ten that you will give one out of every ten of whatever it is that God has blessed you with. You will give ten percent. And so let me make this just as clear as I possibly can, and we'll have the PowerPoint that will kind of help us with that. But when we get blessings from God, when we get our paycheck and other blessings that come our way and so on, the first thing we need to do is to give one for God, and then one for me, fair enough, and one for me, and one fish for me, and didn't you hate this when you were kids and somebody was doing this to you, and only you were on the short end of the stick, you know? One for me, and one for me, and God's smiling ear to ear, because what do we give first? One to God. And one to me, and one to me, and one to me, and one to me. That's what the tithe is. You give your first one to the Lord out of your first fruits. You settle with the Lord first, and then you enjoy the rest of his bounty that he's given to you. The tithe. Nine one for me's, one one for our Lord. Note the second word in that phrase in verse 8. It says, you are robbing, how are we robbing you? And God responds, in tithes and offerings. Tithes are that 10%. That's an act of our obedience to our Lord. The offerings are our love overflowing because of all that he's done for us. We give an offering over and above. <clears throat> and sometimes as a church here, we have opportunities to give to different ministries that are over and above our normal giving to carry on the mission and ministry of Faith Covenant Church. But folks, some of you are fidgeting right now, I know. You're uncomfortable. You kind of wish that this is the Sunday the Seahawks were playing early and you could have gone. And that fidgeting is uncomfortable. It's awkward. You're mad at me. You're mad at our... <clears throat> our Properties and Finance Committee. Having a tough time getting a fishy down. <clears throat> but I'm not making this up. This is God's Word. These are God's teachings and instructions for how we can have a fulfilling experience in our Lord. We do this as a gesture of love. We do it as an act of obedience to our Lord, not because he needs it, but to see if we appreciate his goodness to us, to each one of us, his provision for us. Do you appreciate the fact that all you have belongs to him? Will you be obedient in stewarding and managing what God has loaned to you? Do you have any comprehension of the impact on the kingdom work of God that it would have if every single Christian took God seriously here 
and tithe to their Lord? For example, if every one of us was only making welfare, if every single giving unit in this church was only making welfare, and we tithed that welfare, we'd have enough to meet our budget. It's kind of interesting to think about. It's been said by world mission groups that have done research on this that if every Christian tithed, there'd be no world hunger. Everybody would have food. Not only that, but areas that have been devastated by tsunamis or hurricanes or tornadoes, areas around the world, would have been rebuilt within a year. Haiti and Katrina are still trying to rebuild, and that was several years ago. Also, they found that there would be little or no little or no terrorism or war in our world. Because people would see the love, the outpouring, the blessing of God. Something to think about. And that's not to mention the hundreds and thousands of souls that would be led to Jesus Christ and back into relationship with their Creator God, their Heavenly Father. So, why is it that we don't do it? Why don't we give? Now, I was raised with it in my home. I watched my mom and dad model giving. They had us when we were teenagers to actually give um, um, or actually do the checkbook and learn finances and learn how much it costs to make your way in life. That was an eye-opener, I'll tell you. And doing that, I noticed how much my mom and dad gave. It was impressive to me. It made an impression. But ever since I was a little boy, and my folks used child labor, I had to go pill dandelions out of our front yard, and I had to get a grocery bag of those, and if I got a grocery bag of those, I'd get a quarter. And when I got the quarter, the first thing I did was three cents to God. It was a natural thing to do. When I had paper outs, when I mowed lawns, I gave 10% of whatever I earned. My pastor told me once, uh, when I was a young teenager, that my tithing was more than 18 other giving units in the church, other family units in the church, and I was just a paper boy. In fact, my pastor, Ray Boleyn, he gave me $10 when I won this trip to go to New York City, and he says, this is spending money for you, and he gave me $10 bills. I took one of those dollar bills and handed it back to him, and I says, put this in the offering plate Sunday because I won't be there, I'll be in New York City. It was just so automatic. But for many of you, that probably wasn't the way you were raised. You didn't see that modeled. That didn't become a part of your DNA in your relationship with God. But folks, it's never too late to start. It's never too late to follow the Lord in this area of your life. Uh, Point three, you know, what stops us? You can write that in on your blanks if it's helpful. But what stops us? What is it that causes us to hesitate? What is it that causes us to say, my fishies? I think the first thing is fear. We kind of respond, oh, gosh, I can't afford it. I can't afford this. I don't have enough now to make ends meet. How would I do that if I paid the Lord? We're financially fearful that we won't make it, that God won't provide for us if we tithed. I recall a student at Trinity Lutheran College had asked me to come speak to his uh, church to share a sermon, and I spoke on this topic. And he came up afterwards to me and said, you know, uh, Bill, I I don't know how I'll do it. 
Our finances are in a shambles. We're really struggling and so on. I have no idea how we'll make it, but you know something? I'm going to pray about it. I'm going to consider it. A year later, uh, we had a conversation and so on, and I asked him, how how are your finances doing? And he said, you know, (laughs) it's just amazing, Bill. My finances, our finances, he and his wife's finances, are, are, are all turned around. We were able to meet all of our commitments with some left over, and we've always given to the Lord first for the last year. So fear is often one of the reasons we don't respond to the Lord in obedience. And secondly, is overconsumption. Overconsumption. We are so enthralled by all the possessions that we can get. And do you know that the average American, and this used to be worse before the recession, it's actually gotten a little bit better now, but the average American spends 113% of his or her income. Now, 100% is break-even. They're overspending by 13% their income. We are continually pressured by the media and by commercials to obtain more and more, more and more fishies for ourselves. I was driving... And we went by this kind of storage unit company uh, where they have all these units so you can uh, put your extra stuff and whatnot. And on there was a big, huge banner on this public storage place that said, your stuff will be happy here. <laughs> what? My stuff has to be happy? Probably so it can have a healthy self-esteem? I don't know. My stuff will be happy here. Folks, overconsumption. Consumerism, materialism, however you want to label it. Folks, we can do this. God doesn't set up impossibilities for us. God has said he's the God of the impossible. We can live on 90%, each and every one of us. Most of us could live on 80% or perhaps even 70%. Letourneau was the founder of Letourneau Institute down in Texas where they built Caterpillar, big machines and that type of thing. He invented several things. He was a very wealthy man. He lived on 12% of his money and gave the other 88% away. For many of us, it's a matter of priorities. We may have to, well, scale back a little bit. We may have to pray about our expenditures. We may need to sell some of our toys. We may need to get more reasonable car and home that we can afford. We may need to simplify whatever it takes to not be caught up in the trap of overconsumption. Paul puts it this way in Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It is possible. And then thirdly, of why it is that we don't follow the Lord in this is because for some of us, we're purely bugged because it's a commandment. You know? It's expected of us. Huh. Well, who's God think He is? God? Hmm. We get defiant. We get rebellious. Or sometimes we rationalize that, well, commandments, they're kind of passe, you know? Everything is relative nowadays. I'll give what I feel led to give. Um... And we'll do it out of the goodness of our heart. And our final point is the text challenges us. God challenges us to put him to the test. He says, put me to the test. I want to share with you a newspaper article from a few years ago that was written for Thanksgiving Day by Danny Wheatnate. Uh, and this is out, I believe, the Seattle Times paper. It says, today we toast Thanksgiving, what we have. For me, it's also a time to grapple with what I give. 
You see, I learned that now I'm one of the richest people on earth. In fact, I'm in the top 1% of the globe's wealthiest people. Now, I'm not rich, as most of you might think, simply because I'm a, it's simply because I'm a middle-class American, and if you make 50000 or more per year, you are richer than 99% of the world's population. It made me wonder, what am I doing with my wealth? I have been donating 2 to 3% of my income, at least according to my tax returns, and that seems an embarrassingly low amount. Now that I see it all on paper, it's embarrassing. And yet it's about uh, Washington State's average for my middle-high income tax bracket. Washington is the 13th richest state out of the 50 states. But Washington ranks a lowly 39th in generosity. We are stingy here in the Northwest. We like to hang on to our money or our fishies. If we are faithful to God, He is faithful to us. When we receive Christ, we are baptized, obeying the commandment of our Lord. The waters basically symbolize the putting to death of the old and the committing of our life to the new. A story is told of a group of soldiers in the Middle Ages that uh, recommitted themselves to God and wanted to show that symbolically and so wanted to be baptized. And so the priest told them to walk into the water and that everything the water covers uh, would be replaced with the new. And they began to walk into the water but quickly realized something and almost to a man they pulled their sword out of the scabbard and held it up over their head and they went into the water and they were covered up until about their wrists. But their sword they couldn't put in because they weren't quite sure if God would come through with that for them. I think we're a little bit that same way, aren't we? We take these things we call wallets or purses and I think sometimes we hold them over our heads and go into the waters in obedience of our Lord. But we're a little scared. We don't quite trust that God will take care of us, take care of this part of us. Martin Luther once said that we need two conversions. The first conversion of our faith to Jesus Christ, the conversion of the heart. The second one, the conversion of our pocketbook. Because it's very often an indicator of how we are doing spiritually. And if you're going to take the Lordship of Jesus Christ seriously, you need to examine, how do I allow God to play a part in my finances, in my budgeting, in my bill paying? It was Jesus' second favorite topic. The first favorite uh, topic of his was to talk about his Heavenly Father's kingdom. But the second one, even above love, which he spoke about a lot, was money. Because he knew it was a dilemma for us even 2,000 years ago. We often misquote 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10, and say money is the root of all evil. And that's not what the text says. The text says the love of money, the love of our fishies, that's the issue. That is the root of evil. We worship our money. It's an idol that often displaces God. Will we worship our God with joy? For some of you, it will be <clears throat> a step of faith. A step of faith to your Lord. 
For some of you, it's going to be 10% is tough right now, but maybe I'll give 2 3%, 4%. Maybe every six months I'll up it a percentage. And to grow into this, to mature into this, This isn't about our church budget. This is about your ministry as a steward of what God has given to you. Will you manage God's blessings to you, always seeking His guidance? God is asking each one of us to consider how will we respond? When will we start and how will be, what will be our first step? In the back on the information table, there's a little form, a little uh, study sheet that if you want to explore this a little bit further, if you want to talk it over as a family or as in a couple, that uh, you can pick up one of those sheets and it can help guide your discussion. How will each one of us, including me, how will we respond to our Lord? Let's pray. God, We are blessed. We are rich. We have been given much, and your word says, to whom much is given, much is expected. God, help us to fulfill that responsibility that you've entrusted to us as your children. We pray this in your name. Amen.